0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beavers Edge writer and podcast co host TJ Matthewson. TJ, welcome back to the pod, man. Game week is here, Oregon State, Boise State, under the lights of Research Stadium uh, on Saturday night. Uh, welcome back to this edition of the podcast. TJ, we made it through summer, made it through yeah, we did. fall camp. Uh, you know, obviously, wrapped up fall camp last week. It's uh, It's been a journey. I can't believe football season's already here, man.
1: It's really good to get back in sort of the routine of things as us media members go and football more than anything. It's such like, uh, it's so structured during the week, you know, we have our availabilities during the week. We'll record this podcast in the middle of the week. You know, I work here for the the radio station here in Corvallis. So, you know, game days are long for me too. And, you know, we have our pregame show and our postgame show, but it's the same thing every (laughs) single week. It really helps you get in a routine of things and it's, and it's good to see, you know, the 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 football every day i've, I've missed football dearly uh it's going to be a good first uh a first good first week of games uh, overall and it's going to be exciting to see one of the more exciting oregon state teams that uh have come through in probably the last 10 years so it's exciting
0: yeah most definitely i mean it's uh there's a lot of expectation you know around what this team could t- potentially be you know there's whispers here and there about maybe how you know how good of a season this could be, TJ. And you know, you and I have you know seen with our own two eyes that you know um, the team itself, from top to bottom, is just deeper than where they were. You know, each and every year under Smith, it's been mm-hmm. a progressive build since two thousand eighteen. And I really do think this is um, uh, one of their, if not the best team they've yielded. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how all of it shakes out. We're going to get into Boise State uh, in just a minute and kind of talk about that again. Uh, Seven thirty. Uh, ESPN Research Stadium, uh, Oregon State currently a two and a half f- point favorite. TJ, is that still? I think so. Candidate? Yeah, it's
1: about a field goal. Yeah, I mean, some I'm sure some are three, some are two and a half, maybe a yeah. three and a, you might find a three and a half in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but it's about I don't know. It's about the the spread of home field advantage. So I'd say on a neutral field, it's probably the line. <laughs> they have the the two teams. I, I would say probably pretty dead even.
0: Yeah. No. And 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 we'll obviously talk about it a little bit too, TJ. But how can you quantify? what oregon state's home field advantage is this season like you know obviously Reese stadium before the um west side was taken down i think held somewhere around 44,000 43 somewhere in that range uh and then obviously after taking down the west side they've gone down to i believe 28 or something it's 27
1: around. it's about 27.
0: 27 27 uh for the upcoming season which you know makes it one of the smallest uh and you know, college football. So I'm curious to see with like a sellout, what kind of the, you know, fan volume is, how it reverberates if it kind of stays in the stadium or if it kind of goes out towards like the construction parking lot. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see like just what Oregon state's home field advantage will be this year, you know?
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. i Uh, a lot of it might just be that you get to sleep in your own bed and you don't have to get on a plane and travel anywhere. And the other team, you know, might have to go say in Salem or, or Wilsonville or something like they did during the, uh, during the, uh, during the baseball regional when people were complaining up and down about how little hotel space it is. It's like, yeah, well town of 50,000, that's, uh, that's what happens, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And of course, again, Oregon state, like, they, they will, you know, get maybe even an extra day of prep, an extra six hours that you don't have to spend on an airplane. You can spend, you know, sleeping yeah. or, or or, you know, diving into film and doing stuff like that. So maybe that might be the most beneficial thing for this season when you're playing in a half done stadium. I'd say yeah. the video board might offer a little thing or two yet. Uh, I don't know yeah. if it's done yet, but th- we both seen in person. I mean, that thing's going to look pretty nice
0: when it's done. Oh, it's going to be very nice. And for what it's worth, TJ, um, a couple months later, I still think it was a little ridiculous that Auburn baseball had to go up to Wilsonville. That's like, that's that's my neck of the woods up here, man. Yeah. Like that's that's a that's not a jaunt from Corvallis. Yeah, and
1: and and one one of the ESPN broadcasters stayed in Newport, I think. Like it, oh, it just like.
0: I do remember that. It, yeah, it, yeah,
1: and it's like it's crazy. And Newport's like close compared to to, yeah. to Wilsonville. So, right, man. Right. I mean, it must have yeah. been a nice view out of this hotel room. Honestly, you can't complain with that.
0: Yeah, no. Oregon State's a graduation man. That town just. But you know, back to the matter at hand. You know, we're obviously gonna. Uh, get into Boise State and give our thoughts uh, of there. But just kind of with the, to kind of put a bow tie on, you know, the season kind of being here, we want to take a look at the depth chart that got released uh, earlier this week. And TJ, obviously the biggest news was, you know, what you and I expected, Chance Owen to be QB1. And look at that, there's an OR between mm-hmm. Bengal Branson and Tristan Jebia. You know, we you know, kind of figured something like that could be coming. Uh, other than that, Deshaun Fenwick uh, officially kind of being the lead guy with Trey Lowe at running back and not having an oar uh, with Damian Martinez was mm-hmm. uh, interesting to me. Uh, and outside of that, there weren't really a ton of surprises. Uh, you know, it's uh, it jives, TJ, with uh, your rotations. You were giving us a beaversedge.com all fall camp.
1: Well, to be honest, there's a lot of oars on here. I think it seems like a little bit more than usual. And we were guessing on our, show, on our show here on our, our local show on the radio earlier today. Uh, a, a lot of it is like, you know, not setting places so guys don't transfer. It's like, you know, giving that allure of you, you still do have a chance. So, you know, you right. put Tristan Jebia and Ben Goldbranson on an even playing field. And an evil equal so quote-unquote opportunity even if the coaches themselves don't think that on the depth chart and you know all the coach speak they'll give us that is what they're gonna say right so I mean you could have your different situations you know Jim Harbaugh named two different starting quarterbacks for Michigan Sonny Dykes at TCU said they'll play three quarterbacks um (laughs) or you could be like Steve Sarkeesian who didn't even bother releasing a depth chart um (laughs) yeah I heard the
0: uh... I heard a team. Uh, I heard a team uh, just a little south of Corvallis didn't release a, a depth chart either. Tj. So maybe oh yeah,
1: I did see that too. Not naming yeah. a starting quarterback. Yeah. So again, maybe it's. I the, guess they might play two. I don't know.
0: Maybe that's what the cool kids do these days. Is you know not uh, not release the depth chart. For me, man, I'm, I was happy to see it. Like you and I were waiting to see uh, Chance Nolan and as mm-hmm. QB one, you know. Uh, you know, you obviously went to, you know, just about every practice and, you know, you and I kind of came to that conclusion together after the scrimmage of, you know, this is the guy. And basically what we heard from Jonathan during his press conference, they kind of felt the same thing.
1: Yeah, until but a lot of the the, the words we got while we were there. Oh, we're going to look at some film. We're going to pay <laughs> close attention. Tristan. Yeah, Tristan did look really, really good today. Yeah, But like, you know, it's Master all like Chase Runt. Yeah. Try, uh, chances run with the first team all the time. And I thought the running back room was even more interesting that, that yeah. it's almost like an extreme level, right? You name two first team running backs and three second team running backs yeah. to probably keep a guy like Isaiah Newell from just, you know, a guy that could probably start at, uh, you know, maybe half of these PAC 12 schools on your roster and he right. might be the fifth guy in line.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's an, obviously an extremely, um, extremely deep position and, you know outside of trey Lowe, who i think is unique amongst all those running backs and being able to kind of be that third down back i think his his usage is going to be relatively the same you know it's mm-hmm. kind of last year he's got that that niche role but i could really see you know uh, at particular times and you know we caught up with uh, uh, aj stewart Oregon state running backs coach this week and uh, talked to him for for quite a while and uh, he was mentioning that you know he could go with a hot hand one game. You know, he mentioned that just because uh, Fenwick and Trey Lowe were at the top doesn't mean they're, you know, not as high on Damian Martinez as they were or Jam Griffin, who, you know, I know you were particularly impressed with the, with some mm-hmm. runs throughout fall camp, TJ. So I think that that's just almost like an embarrassment of riches kind of at the position. Yeah. And, you know, you you do, there is something towards having kind of a lead guy, but I do think they'll have multiple options back there.
1: Yeah, and another interesting point, Brendan. I don't know if you picked up on this, named two starting tight ends as well, Musgrave I, and Jake Overman.
0: I did not pick up on that entirely, but because Oregon State has utilized such a, um, a, a two-tight end scheme as far as run blocking the last mm-hmm. two years, it doesn't surprise me too much, but no, that's interesting as well because, you know, Luke Musgrave, you know, might be up there with one of the more, you know, impressive camps. I mean, what uh, the work that that guy did to his body, particularly in the off season and just his, his progression physically since the end of last year has been perhaps one of the most impressive on the team. So I'm real excited to see what he can do. And he was real complimentary yesterday uh, talking about uh, Chance Nolan, having kind of that familiarity under center. Um, So yeah, no, I think Oregon State's offense kind of shook out exactly like I expected it to uh, for the most part. Uh, any surprises on the defensive side for you, TJ? It seems like other than Alton Julian, who's not back to being a starter yet, and I think eventually will, um, not not, nothing I'm too surprised at, but it's great to see Isaac Hodgins uh, potentially start. Well, penciled in to start, I should say.
1: Yeah, it was cool to see, you know, true freshman, Matthias Malachi Donaldson on Another the TV. That's, uh, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, I, I think we know, like, this defensive line is going to rotate a lot. So, like, first right. team is an end-all, be-all. They're going to keep rotating guys out there to be fresh. You know, James Rawls at one of the the, the defensive tackle spots. Simon Sandberg um, as well. Hodgins and Joe Golden, both named starters at, uh, at defensive end or defensive tackle. Uh, that would be interesting. Nothing too uh, surprising. Chatfield being also named as a as yeah. an or starter, a, a, a John McCartan or Chatfield. The the secondary is probably the easiest to pick the four starters. I don't think they s- swapped one guy out the entire yeah. fall camp. I think it was they're the consistent. same four guys: John Wright, Jaden Grant, Katano Ladapo, and Alex Austin, running as the starting four yeah. uh, back there in the secondary. It w- it is cool to see Ryan Cooper and Ron Hard uh, right. Hardge the third uh, two guys we saw really stand out um, during fall camp. They're they're both named as starting nickel corners. Uh, yeah. Again, <laughs> more oars. Uh, so <laughs> just, uh, just uh, interesting to see that. And yet, like, like you said, Alton Julian still not 100 uh, percent healthy. It doesn't seem like so. He is there uh, listed on uh, second on the two deep behind Ketano Ladapo.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. Just on Alton, I, I based on what I've heard from Smith, I think his recovery has gone about as as great as you can expect. I mean, we, we're all sports fans. We've all seen. Uh, the wide range that can happen with ACL injuries. I mean, sometimes you see someone come back in, in nine months and it looks great. Sometimes you see players need to take closer to a year and a half to really come back and and get that that rhythm back. And you think Alton, I believe, had that injury. The Utah game, which I'm trying to remember if that was the sixth or seventh game last year, might have been the seventh, I want to say, because he was ineligible, obviously, to grab a red shirt uh, medically yeah. For that right year. right
1: in the middle of the season,
0: regardless. Yeah. And that's where I said the fact that Jonathan seemed to think it was pretty confident he would at least get out there uh, against Boise State definitely uh, is, is a great sign if you're an Oregon State fan, because, um, you know, Alton was playing some of the best defense in that secondary last year before he went down. And, um, you know, the fact that he's already been able to go through that rehab process and mm-hmm. potentially be able to get back uh, early in the season would certainly be good. Um, but no, let's uh, go ahead and uh, transfer and kind of transition uh, over to uh, our thoughts on Boise State as we kind of uh, approach uh, Saturday night's matchup. TJ, just kind of, we obviously don't have the time to dive into Boise State intensely, but I'm just kind of curious what your initial thoughts are of them. This is Oregon State's you know, second straight Mountain West opponent that they've played, uh, obviously fall into Utah State in the LA Bowl to close out last year. What do you think? What, what's just kind of your gut feeling with this game up uh, top, and then obviously we'll get into uh, some matchups and uh, what Oregon State uh, needs to do to uh, come out on top. It's a it's a pretty similar look, I think, on both sides. I mean,
1: they Boise State went seven and five last year, and if yeah. you throw out the pandemic year, that's like going zero and t- 0 and twelve in Boise, right? Like <laughs> there's some they're, they're over under win total. You don't like for a team that went seven and five the previous year. They're over under wins. I think it's nine and a half.
0: Wow. Like really, really high up
1: there. So it's two sides that are really expecting big jumps from their teams this year, which means someone is going to be set up to be kind of disappointed in this game. Uh, right. And, you know, the Vegas line kind of reflects it. They probably view these teams about even on a neutral field. Uh, so the matchups are going to be uh, interesting. It's going to be a couple of veteran quarterbacks, Hank Bo- Hank Bachmeyer who has uh, played in parts of now, this will be his fourth season under yeah. center for Boise state. Uh, the first season actually where he returns an offensive coordinator. Uh, so we'll see how that reflects on him. And or the first season where he's not, you know, battling for the quarterback job, he got it. And Sam Vidlak, by the way, uh, I believe is third on the depth chart there in Boise. I think
0: I got a question. I got a question for you, TJ. Do you know yeah. Boise state's last losing season?
1: Was it 90? 90... 98. 97. 97. Oh damn. So, I was close. So
0: again, yours truly was like a wee lad. So that was I, I
1: was not born in 97.
0: <laughs> so that was um that was a hot minute ago. You know, TJ alluded to it very well. You know, talking about a program that just, you know, whether it was uh, you know, Dan Hawkins to Chris Peterson to uh Brian Harson to you know now Andy Avalos, they just seem to have Um, you know, the alums just kind of come through and just keep kind of keeping that program, um, you know, where it is. And it obviously is a program that Jonathan talked about uh, on Monday, um, that he has a ton of respect for just because the way that they approach games. And he was saying, you know, they're very aggressive. They believe they can beat anywhere, anybody, anytime. And, you know, Oregon, the last time these two teams met Boise state came into research and. Kind of walked out with a victory, and it wasn't particularly tough to do so back in the 2016 season. Uh, as uh, Jeremy McNichols, I remember that game just ran wild. So it's it's definitely um, you know there's a lot of history between these two teams, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that works. But a little bit of a, a connection, obviously, with Andy Avalos being the former Oregon Ducks defensive coordinator, and then as you mentioned, Hank Bachmeyer's been a starter there for uh, you know several seasons now, and um, his talent under center, TJ, cannot be understated. He is, I think, their best player. Yeah. And he's kind of that guy that if he has a good game and can read Oregon State's defense, could be could be a long afternoon. If, if he has an off game and Oregon State, you know, throws some coverages at him and blitzes him and so on and so forth, it could be a game that's skewed heavily in Oregon State's favor. So I think Hank Bachmeyer is really that meter for how Boise State's going to play in this game.
1: Yeah, and he's going to be among the most veteran quarterbacks they play this year, right? So I, oh, it, it, it really is a test for, you know, that that fully installed scheme that, that Trent yep. Bray is going to have. How are you going to adjust against a guy who's seen a bunch of defenses, has played a lot of college football, has pro aspirations, is expecting Boise State to take a jump forward? Um, that they you know didn't in year one under Andy Avalos uh, last year, so that'll that'll be interesting to see. And you know, there like you mentioned, there are some good matchups in this game. I know Boise State lost their leading receiver from last year, or a couple at least. I don't, I know yeah. uh, Shakir, um, who is on the Bills, I think now. Uh, they lost him for sure, which is mm-hmm. I guess good for Oregon State's quarterbacks. But um, it'll be uh, some guys now stepping up for Boise State uh, in that sense, uh, and it'll be interesting to. Interesting to see how much um, I'm the thing I'm probably most curious to see here in, in week one, how much pressure is Oregon state going to get on, yeah. on block minor? That's going to be a, a telling tale. Yeah. Hey, can you push around somebody's offensive line? Like, yeah. like get some, pre- uh, you know, like Oregon state had their way with Idaho last year. Right. Okay. Right. Um, but let, let's go up against like a, a good mountain West team, a, a, a right. good expected Uh, preseason Mountain West favorite Boise State Broncos. Can you get pressure on Hank Bachmeyer? Can you hit him five times? Can you hit him seven times? Can you bring him to the ground two or three times? Can you force uh, force a wobbly pass that gets picked off, right? Right. It'll be all these things that we just heard day after day uh, about Trent Spray Diva. So, hey, how aggressive they are, how you're getting up the field, how they're getting towards the quarterback. All right, well, this is your first tense against a guy who can read a defense who has seen quite a bit in his collegiate career and it'll be it'll be a fun matchup to see.
0: Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I, I you hit on some tremendous points there and I think that is going to be the matchup to watch ultimately because <clears throat> excuse me. Not to say that Boise State's defense uh, isn't good. I think they certainly can cause Oregon State problems and they've got, you know, Andy Avalos who we all remember had a really good defense down there in Eugene and, you know, Oregon Oregon's defense fell off when he went to Boise State. I mean, that's that's just, it wasn't quite as good as it was. And I think his aggressive defense, you know, can definitely cause the Beavers uh, some issues. But just with Oregon State's offensive line that I think is very consistent and very stout, and then Chance Nolan having some mobility and all those running backs that they have and some, you know, Luke Musgrave, I really do think Oregon State will be able to score. I think the question will be what you just mentioned is can they stop Hank Bachmeyer, can they prove in week one, hey, you know, we can go get stops and not to, you know, bring up last season, but you remember TJ last season, um, you know, a Mountain West third string quarterback helped shred him in a bowl game. So, you know, that's something that Oregon State has to have addressed. And like you said, I think the confidence that that defense could see TJ, like maybe the second play of the game or third play of the game, they get a sack or, like you said, hit him or something like that, I think that belief factor will be there. If Hank has, you know, all day to sit back there and pick apart the Oregon State defense, it could, you know, it, it, it could be a long a long evening. So I think that's going to be the matchup uh, really kind of key to watch.
1: And I think we would both agree. I mean, the, the things we say that Oregon State needs to do to, to, to really take that step forward is eight chance, Nolan, and be the defense. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, right? Because, you know, all those other groups, you know, performed well enough last year, but, but those two things I just mentioned, you know, they will let, they've let the Beavers down at times. Now it's going to be interesting to see how um, Oregon State's offensive line matches up against um, Boise State. Will there be any drop-off? It's kind of hard for us, media, I guess, on the sidelines to tell during fall camp. How good the offensive line is doing. I mean, we're not watching the film or anything. And right. Don't have any stats. How many yards per carry are the are the running backs averaging and such? So that'll be interesting to see. I I, I did just read a blurb that uh, one of the new sites here at Boise uh, believes this could be uh, one of the best top to bottom defensive lines at Boise State um, in the last ten years. So that'd be, but it'd be curious to see. It'd be interesting to see that matchup. How do they hold up against you know uh, a, right. a Boise State uh, talent level?
0: No doubt. So we'll get into our predictions uh, to wrap up the pod in just a few minutes. But TJ just kind of alluded to it there. We'll go ahead and continue on the notion. Uh, TJ, we'll start with you. What do you think Oregon State needs to do to come away with a win in this one? Like, what are the most important aspects for you as you kind of are previewing this game?
1: Well, in true Oregon State fashion, they're going to need to run the football, they're going to need to, you know, get some good push on that offensive line. That's step one, right? That's what Brian Lindgren and Jonathan Smith are going to do. They're going to control the rock on offense. But besides that, I want to see Chance Stolen hit some deep balls. I need to see them yeah. go down the field and connect. We, we know Chance is, can operate within the 10 to 15 yard range. But as we were watching through camp, every time they threw deep, it was overthrown, underthrown, batted away, And it just didn't seem like that timing was there right now. I don't know if they flipped the switch in a week and a half since we've last seen practice, but you know, to be successful in the PAC 12, you're going to need to be able to hit on some of those deep passes. And you have guys that are fast enough to get behind the defense and you have the scheming that allows guys to get in open space and, you know, run after the catch, but you're going to have to get the ball to them first. And that's, again, that's, you know, how I want to see chance Nolan take another step this year. And then on the defensive side, you know, I could say takeaways, but I feel like takeaways is too obvious. I need to see pressure on the quarterback. Like I said, you maybe right. want to get eight to ten pressures on Hank Bachmar. You're going to want to flush him out of the pocket. You're going to want to run him down, and you're going to want to sack him, say, three times. I mean, I think that might be the, the, a big, the biggest indicator of of success and maybe that really next step for this Oregon State defense.
0: Yeah, those are some great points, and, you know, uh, some of mine are pretty similar. I think you kind of hit, hit on the biggest one, uh, with Chance Nolan, I think more than anything, you know, Chance Nolan just needs to show us that he's grown from the end of last season. That's what I'm looking yeah. for in, in, in week. It just, And I think it's a big key to this game for Oregon State is, you know, we talked to him yesterday. He feels like he's become more comfortable in the system, become more comfortable as a quarterback, you know, since the end of last year. And I want to see him walk out there and have some veteran-type quarterback plays where he's able to elude the pressure and, you know, uh, turn a third down into a first down kind of a thing. So I want to see his leadership on display. Uh, and then like you, and then uh, kind of like you mentioned with the running backs, I want to see uh, Oregon State's offensive line keep up the same level of standard of play that we've seen under a Jim Mahal check offensive line. If you give Chance Nolan time to throw and you give room for those running backs to run, uh, I really think Oregon State will be able to score in this one. So I think that's going to be a really key, uh, important point as well. <clears throat> and then defensively, I think the secondary has to arrive, and not to say that you know I, I don't think the defensive line and linebackers are important because they are, but I think Hank Bachmeyer could throw the ball forty plus times in this game, and you know maybe maybe a little high, but depends on you know how the game flow goes and whatnot, and how confident uh, Boise State is in their run game. But if he's you know lighting it up, you know almost borderline air raid style, those guys you mentioned earlier, TJ, you know those are only four guys they're going to be rotating more guys into that secondary if you know as the game goes on and potentially uh, as you know they get deeper and deeper into the snap count so I think it's going to be a big onus on the secondary to perform well in this game and then um, I'll piggyback uh, again off yours is just adding adding some pressure I think uh, will be key in this one and just it's football is a mental game, and if you can, you know, add some hits to an opposing quarterback, it will definitely, you know, stick and stick in their minds. So I think that's definitely something that Trent Bray and his staff are going to be uh, definitely emphasizing this week. So to wrap it up and uh, work on the prediction piece, TJ, we'll go ahead and start with you, my man. Where, uh, uh, where, where? What are you thinking for this uh, for this game? And uh, does Oregon State start off the year one to
1: zero? Do you know what the total is? I know we went over the line. Do you remember what the total is?
0: I don't have the total in front of me. I might have to let you look, look that up. I can filibuster for you as we, uh, as we finish up. Uh,
1: I'm getting, Oh, it's 56 and a half. Okay. Okay. Found it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm
1: going to, I'm probably, I'm going to go right near this line. I'm going to say probably Oregon state 31 Boise state 27. Um, I'm going to say the, the, the running game for Oregon state keeps them going. I'm, I'd like to see, again, a pat a couple of maybe a long touchdown or two from Chance Nolan, see him get comfortable in the pocket. I don't think they're going to have him throw maybe more than 20 times. That's not usually the game plan, Uh, especially if Oregon State gets out in front. And, yeah, I'll say a a, a late turnover from Trent for his defense, showing off sort of that aggressive style they have Uh, will seal it from Brockmeyer.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good prediction and one that I've thought about this week. I think right now I've settled in on 28-24 Oregon State. I think Oregon State will get this win uh, if they play like they're capable of, and and I expect them to win this game. But uh, for the exact, uh, TJ and I's exact predictions, make sure to uh, check back to beaversedge.com later this week as we'll have our little prediction blurbs between uh, TJ, myself, and uh, obviously our recruiting analyst, uh, Dylan callaghan Crowley. So, it's it's definitely going to be interesting tj i'm i'm excited to you know see what research stadium is like and talking with the media it's definitely going to be interesting to see what our accommodations are are like out yeah. there and I've yeah been told i hope so that we're, oh i've been i've been told to be fingers crossed for power and wi-fi so we'll see
1: <laughs> you might have to go up to the suite level for that today so, hey, no hey you guys got hot dogs in here oh and the wi-fi how about that that's yeah, good just
0: Take my laptop and go, man. But no, it's going to be super exciting again. Oregon's taking me kicking off the 2022 season uh, from Research Stadium, halfway completed Research Stadium, I might add. Uh, under the lights of Research or under the lights uh, on ESPN at 7:30. Uh, TJ gave his prediction for a win. I'm giving mine as well. Make sure to stay tuned to BeaversEdge.com as we'll have uh, more covers leading up to the game this week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Edge Podcast.